What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us here for a very special Wednesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We are a Sports Ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Orico 99 and you can find all the great work from our writers here at Sports Ethos at Ethos Fantasy BB on Twitter. You can also get that right at the source at SportsEthos.com as well if you're not somebody who uses Twitter. But today we have a very, very fun episode in store. We might get some live reactions to here on uh, a fun debut here from a rookie pitcher as well. And we have one of my favorite people in the industry here joining us. You know him as the founder of PitcherList. He is Mr. PitcherList himself. The reigning fantasy baseball writer of the year, Nick Pollock. How you doing, my friend? What is happening? I am doing so well because you're letting me watch Mason Miller in the fourth inning now. And uh, he's he's throwing sliders for strikes. I mean, half of them, not so much, but he just threw one to open this inning. It's Dansby Swanson, and he throws 100 miles per hour and just threw it up in the zone and for another strike. And it's just, oh, my gosh, it's the best. Oh. This is the best that we were doing right before this. Also, guys, Joe is the nicest guy. Um, I told him like right at four o'clock. I was like, hey, I'm doing this thing in Discord where we're all like in voice chat right now as I just announced this this debut because we're all so hyped about it. And it's one of those great moments inside of our Discord. And I was like, can you just give me like one more inning? It's like, yeah, no problem. It's fine. So we did that for three innings. It was an absolute blast. Uh, and now now Mason Miller, two, two. Oh, my gosh. No, terrible slider. Jeez. Okay. It's fine. I was going to say, I feel bad taking you away from it, but at the same time, we get these nice live reactions (laughs) on the pod uh, of you. You can hear random grunts from me. (laughs) We get your live reaction here. We get your live analysis. So that's a lot of fun. I realized, Nick, we had you on the pod roughly a year ago, and it was the same topic when I had you on for the first time, talking relatively early in the season about starting pitchers who are either doing a lot better or a lot worse than we would have expected. And starting pitching as a whole, it's it's awful. Like what what's been chaos? What happened? What has happened, Nick? What has happened? Oh, I don't know. I <laughs> uh, baseball is baseball. Um, it is a strange year where I think um, normally I have my strategies of hey, there's always things that that appear out of nowhere in April that we don't anticipate whatsoever, and and it's more usually it's like the guys in my 100 or so that go from like the 95th rank to 35th or so. But this year, what's really interesting is that I don't really think there are too many outside of the top 50 that are that interesting, but instead it's all the prospects. I mean, we're talking to like Mason Miller right now, but then Taj Bradley and then maybe Tanner baby's coming up. Gavin Williams, uh, Kyle Harrison, Matthew Libertor, Yuri Perez, uh, Brendan Fott, Ricky Tiedemann. I mean, these are legitimate names that, I look kind of at the whole scope of it. And generally, I wouldn't be so aggressive on all these prospects. But this is kind of the year where it's the pendulum is going in that direction. While a lot of the the kind of staples that we know are not really doing it for us. Um, I will also mention that a lot of the guys that we're scared of, yeah, it'll be fine. It's a long season. Don't worry too much. But yeah, I have no idea actually what is really happening. It's just... It's baseball. There's always something new. Yeah, it feels like there's no starting pitchers, really. I mean, there's been, I mean, Garrett Cole has been exceptional. But if you're looking at, like, starting pitcher rankings or starting pitcher, uh, yeah, not really rankings, but in terms of how they've done so far this season, Cole at the top, Castillo, uh, Jeffrey Springs, RIP to that one, uh, Shane McClanahan. Those are kind of ones that you'd relatively expect. But then we've also got a lot of surprising names Mm -hmm. who have done very well so far. Let's start with the underachievers, though. 
or maybe Nick, what was that? You're reacting to something there, something bad. Uh, yeah. I mean, we're seeing the other side of the coin now from Mason Miller. He gets to a three, two count, can't throw a fastball for a strike. So he walks him and then gets into a count where he should be throwing a good slider. And he throws him right down the middle and it's knocked to center for a base hit. And that's a run. You know, that, that was, that was in bad slider, not a good one. And we're going to see a little bit of that from Mason Miller for everything that the three strikeouts in one inning to, all right, you know, you can't put away some better. So you can't execute your pitch quite yet. A little annoying, but then of course, Bellinger just swings through 98 because it's Bellinger. So everything's fine. Just those, just throw good strikes. That's it. See, I was a little bit worried. I tweeted this out yesterday. I think people are going to go crazy if we're talking about like NFBC fab bids. People are going to go nuts on him. And I guess that depends on what happens this week, but a pitcher for Oakland, you know, who only has 28 professional innings. I get that. Yeah. I feel kind of nervous about, you know, people are going to throw hundreds of fab dollars at him. I won't be one of those people. Will you be one of those people, you think? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the way I see it is there are there are many more pitchers, I think, than people recognize that are viable to pick up inside of uh, like TGFBI weekly. Um, like, for example, in my tout 15 teams, I was the only person who bid on Zach Plesak this week. And I was able to get him for like, I don't know, like a dollar. Um, but he gets the Nationals. And I kind of think that might be good. And th that's... You know, that's fine. If you just need something that's kind of like, hey, a guy that goes six innings, there are a lot of those. But for someone that actually could push the needle significantly in their time, there are very few like Mason Miller. There are very few like Taj Bradley, um, who I was very much into to go after in Fab this past week, right? If you hadn't last week. So that's, that's kind of where I'm getting at here. Uh, I think it's important to like... It, this isn't a Chris Bubich situation. I didn't bid on Chris Bubich. Um, that was a guy who's kind of, okay. Maybe it's a little bit more intriguing. Everything. Maybe if it comes together perfectly, great. You know that Mason Miller does amazing things. It's just a matter of okay, what is the consistency of all those things? And it's not Matt Brash because Brash threw a terrible fastball. If you have poor command. Uh, if you have, if you have, pair that with a an amazing stuff fastball, you're gonna have more success than amazing stuff slider and a mediocre fastball. So uh, I, I'm in on Mason Miller here. Oh, that was a beautiful cutter, 94 right inside to a lefty to get a whiff on Rios. Oh man, he was out in front of a 94 mile per hour cutter. Okay. In terms of all the guys you were mentioning before, Fought, Tiedemann, Harrison. All these guys who have the potential to come up. Where would you put Miller in terms of that? Like, would you want to bid more on Miller than you would say on Brandon Fott next week? So supposing that he replaces Bumgarner, or so, where would so you Miller, him? Miller. Okay, good question because Fott, I would imagine, pitches more this year than Miller does, right? But as far as quality per inning goes, I mean, I watched Fott. I watched that video before of Miller that it was passing around of his like 11 strikeouts and whatnot. I watched a little bit of him from the spring I'm watching him. Now Miller's Miller is as electric as it gets. This is insanity, sanity to me. I'm just like, <laughs> this is what I do this for our guys like Mason Miller. Um, now thought isn't going to walk as many guys. So there is a little bit more of a floor there with thought, but Mason Miller is, I don't know. The way I see it is that it's you versus 15 others. If you're not first, you're last, right? And Miller's the kind of guy that can really significantly help your team. 
Definitely interesting. Nick Pollock here pushing up the price of Mason Miller uh, this coming Sunday. <laughs> we will see. It was he didn't need me. You, the stuff plus numbers were like, yeah, he's like the greatest. <laughs> you know, I'm not doing much here. This is this is all Mason Miller's like it's his world and we're just living in it. To this point, uh, you know, we're recording in the middle here, but he's thrown three and two thirds, four strikeouts. Uh, he's allowed the one run, two hits, one walk. The stat line looks pretty good here. The traditional stats so far. And based on Nick's reactions for most of it, seems like uh, it's been pretty good. We'll have to check in again a little bit later on to see uh, what the conclusion is. But uh, Nick, what uh, happened? Sorry, what a one painted outside. Two and two. <laughs> now he's at 65 pitches. I do wonder if this might be it because Miller hasn't really gone 70 pitches yet. He maybe come out for the uh, for the fifth, but I don't really think they would do that if he if he fixes it, you know, if he gets him out here at pitch 66, it probably is it. But oh, it was fun. Yes, he did. He went around. Yes, he did. It's done. Oh, 66 pitches. Another strike out of wisdom because wisdom's like, I don't have the wisdom not to swing at this high heater. So we have um, to assume that's yeah. the end of his day. I'm going to, but I would be so happy if I'm wrong. <laughs> well, if it is so four happy. innings, five strikeouts. <laughs> Pretty decent the debut. Weirdest here. podcast I've ever done. Oh, me and too. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope I know this is completely not what we were going to talk about, but I don't know. This kind of stuff is it's the it's fun. It's different than a normal podcast. This is what I love, man. This is what I love about this industry, about baseball in general, the ever-changing nature of the stats. It looked like a good outing, and it's done. Hopefully, he doesn't come out again and do something poor to make it. I look know so if he's coming out again, he's gonna do great. Now, why, why would you say that? I'm I'm awful. I shouldn't have said anything. <laughs> but it's fun. No, I love doing this kind of thing. People listen to me usually on this day on this show ranting. So I'm sure they're very enthused to hear uh, the thoughts of Nick Pollock here on the show. Let's get into the meat and potatoes, Nick. Let's talk about some of these outliers early in the season. Like you said off the top, we're probably not too overly concerned about them. But let's start with your boy Sandy Alcantara. Has not looked so good so far. I mean, he did have that complete game, but outside of that, it's been ugly for Sandy. He's got a 584 ERA. How worried are you? What's the worry level for you here on Sandy? Is there any worry? It's like two out of 10. Um, The stuff is still there. We've seen him now waver a little bit here and there. Also against Arizona, they were on and runs, and it was just kind of like this annoying sixth inning. Uh, no, he's, uh, I think this is a great buy-low situation for Sandy Alcantara. That's no, it. No, Nothing. no. I mean, I, I, I'll, I'll tell you this quickly. Unless there's something really shocking about what they're doing, I generally don't react too harshly um, to studs in the first couple weeks. I, I, I've seen the past guys ramping up differently. They're not having gotten a feel for stuff yet. Um, we have these conversations all the time. If you get rid of the first three starts of the year, they are such a, you know, they're dominant after that. Um, it happens a lot and I'm not really going to look too far into this for Alcantara at the moment. Uh, he still clearly has strikeout ability. He still has the same velocity. He hasn't quite nailed down the changeup command yet, but it's, it's all good. It's not to me either the, the shift affecting things or the defense or whatever. I think it's just not all worked out for him. And yeah, there's a complete game shutout. He's one start removed from that. And even in this one, he was looking great through five innings and then he just got into some trouble didn't go his way in the six and that was that 
By low on Sandy Alcantara, I would agree. I don't know that he's going to reach the same levels as last year for ERA we necessarily. Can't. We never expected that, yeah. Yeah, and even these early starts are going to you know set him back a little bit in terms of the season-long ERA. But, you know, uh, you're not paying for the stats that happened already. You're paying for what he's going to do going forward. So there we go. look into Sandy Alcantara if you can. If you can get him for what do you think, a fourth-round kind of value player, fifth-round value maybe at this point, who knows? Depending on your league, you might be able to pull off something like that, and you should definitely try it out. Now, this next one hurts me dearly. Alec Manoa has been awful, and I've never seen a stretch like this from him at the major league level. I don't know at any level. You know, he looked pretty good against Kansas City, but even there, he got fairly lucky with contact numbers. And so far, the strikeouts haven't been there. The performance hasn't been there. What are What's your worry level on Alec Manoa to this point? Oh, it's pretty high. It, 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 yeah, it's pretty bad with Alec Manoa. The slider, he's not nearly as good as it used to be. Um, it's hard contact is at 29% as opposed to the 15%, 12% we've seen in two previous seasons. Uh, his four-seamer is, is still getting some whiffs, but it's not quite as overwhelming start by start as we've seen. Um, and the sinker, last year, I was really disappointed by Manoa's sinker. And I thought, okay, you know what? Reset button. He's going to make the adjustments he needs to make. Um, nope, hasn't done that. The hard contact rate has gone from 20.5% to 36%, which is really bad. It's X average is 355 and it was a 215 X average last year, according to our uh, pitcher list, um, X stats. It's not good. And I, I think there's something inherently wrong here. We've seen the velocity dip on that sinker by a full tick and same thing on the four seamer to sub 93 levels. The whole thing is kind of messed up right now. I'm not saying that Manoa can't turn it around right away. He has what I call a tiara, right? That's what that stands for. But he, uh, he's he got a lot of things to fix. It's not just one thing. It's a lot of things. And oftentimes when there are a lot of things to fix, there's generally one problem. And that's usually an injury of some kind. I don't want to just throw around that word. But that's generally how... When guys that are really good all of a sudden across the board are worse, there's something else affecting them. Um, so something's up with Manoa. I hope it's just something like, oh, mechanical tweak. I wasn't doing this and it clicks back in and voila. But yeah, I'm concerned right now. I lowered him closer to 40 in my rankings as opposed to the 21 or so I had him in the preseason. Wow. As a Jays fan, I am not <laughs> feeling confidence based on that, based on that sentiment there. Would you be interested in buying him at this point, or are you just trying to stay away? Like I, I'm just well, you're in purgatory as a as a fantasy manager, yeah. and I I'm okay buying him, but I feel like he's still such of a name that it's going to cost me too much. Someone would rather just hold on to it, right? Yeah. Uh, there often isn't too much of a middle ground between a guy that's just should be on the wire or a guy that should be 100% held. It's very rare that there's something in between that. Um, like if I had Taj Bradley, I would hold on to Taj Bradley right now instead of uh, chasing Alec Manoa. Really? Okay. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's it's hard to find the exact perfect fit. Um, maybe it's a case where you have a backup second baseman and their second baseman is is not good. And you're like, you know what? I'll give you the second baseman for, for Alec Manoa or something like that. Um, oftentimes when you try to trade, always better to go and flip the currency. That is a batter for a hitter. Uh, sorry, <laughs> uh, <laughs> a pitcher for a hitter. I uh, 
instead of giving like the relative, well, this pitcher versus this pitcher, it's too equal in value. While between a hitter and a pitcher, it's harder to tell the difference. So I always suggest that one. It's weird with Manoa. You know, he's always had something that you can't really, for me personally, just watching him so much as a Jays fan, I've seen most of the starts he's ever made. There's something that's not captured in the statistics with him. It's, he doesn't and, have that dog in him anymore. Sorry? He doesn't have that dog in him. But where has it gone? Like, you know, even just watching, <laughs> like, you know, even if you look last year, you know, the expected numbers, the XERA, the FIP, the XFIP were all a bit higher. And they were the year before as well when he first debuted. It's just some pitchers where I feel like it's not captured, but maybe there was something there. You know, he is not performing to the degree we thought it was. Maybe, like you said, maybe there is some kind of underlying injury that is causing this performance. I just don't know that we can, because there were so many people fading Manoa and taking victory laps at this point. And I'm just like, are, are we, I don't know that we're quite there yet. There's still a big, you know, there's 50 plus starts in the big leagues before this year. He was a Cy Young finalist. I still feel like there's a lot there with Manoa. We're still talking about somebody who's only 25 years old. Uh, Long-term, any kind of worry beyond just the immediate stuff we've seen so far? No. Um, but, I mean, I, I, I would think over time that Alc Manoa will get better from what we've seen. Uh, but, man, this isn't it. No, this has been awful. As a Blue Jay fan, it's been a, an absolute nightmare. You know, we thought Gosman was the one safe one, and then the other night it was the Astros. But they rocked him. That was a very tough uh, first inning to watch. Not really concerned about him so much, but as a Jays fan, you know, that stellar rotation that we thought we had going into the year has not exactly looked so great. Uh, let's talk Blake Snell. He had a better start yesterday for sure, but the first few outings of the year were pretty concerning for people who, like myself, were fairly big on him. You know, second half last year, he was excellent. You know, there's the argument to be made that Blake Snell had the one Cy Young year and that he's never really been that good again. Where where are you on Blake Snell at this point? He's got a six ERA for the year. We know he's a big strikeout guy, but are you in on him from a fantasy perspective going forward? I actually am. This is, I think, a good buy low. Uh, Blake Snell yesterday freaked me out because he started to throw a 28% changeups, but I get it because his breaking balls were just not getting strikes. And the thing about Blake Snell is that when he gets strikes as a whole, four seamers over the plate, he's learned how to do that. That skill is there and present, and that was a big transition for him. The next one is consistency with the curveball and slider to get strikes. And when he goes on those stretches, that's what's happening. He hasn't been able to do it so far. So I think Snell last night, that is on uh, Tuesday evening, Snell decided, you know what? I'm going to throw changeups for now because I can't do this against Atlanta with these breaking balls. Do twenty percent changeups and he survived. He gave he, he, two hundred runs in five innings. I don't think that's the game plan moving forward. I think that's the plan B. I'm crossing my fingers on that one, but I would bet on that. So I'm in on Blake Snell fixing this over time. He does it every year. He fixes it eventually, and I think it's nicer in the beginning that we have such a clear understanding of what the problem is. That Blake Snell, yeah, I think he does turn this around. So I would be buying low on Blake Snell. Don't look at the six ERA. Don't look at the 189 whip. This is this is a pitcher that is in the past now, and I think it's going to be a lot different if you take it from this moment through the end of the year. Do you think that he is somebody that we generally, not even just the fantasy community, but baseball as a whole, might overrate because of how good he was during his Cy Young season? Uh, no, no, no. I think it's I don't I don't care about that. That's so no. far in the past and not yeah. not really an attainable thing. I see it based on the second half of 2021 and 2022. Okay, Blake Snell, another one. I was very much in on him. I had him ranked, I think, 27, I want to say, before the season. I was fairly in on him. I'm not sure where that was compared to consensus, but I feel like I was fairly high on Blake Snell. 
early returns are not good, but uh, you're you're comforting me here, Nick. I appreciate that after the Alec Manoa. Anytime. Because the Alec Manoa one, I'm still feeling the, the effects of that. Uh, let's talk Grayson Rodriguez. So far, so not good. Uh, he is my most rostered player across fantasy this season. Gray Albright talked me into him. Uh, I am not really feeling that good so far, but the strikeouts have been there for him. Uh, where are you on Grayson Rodriguez at this point? I think you should be holding on to Grayson Rodriguez. He's had trouble with the first inning and then settles in. Not to mention the four-seamer is excellent. He actually isn't commanding his changeup and slider well, not getting it down with consistency. But Grayson Rodriguez just gets better. There are a lot of these guys that from here, they should be better through the rest of the year. And it's not easy to hear this when it's the middle of April. Uh, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, maybe this is who they are forever now. No, it's not. Uh, but I think it's in your best interest with all that behind you to keep going with Grayson Rodriguez. There's a reason why we were so excited about him. Oh my gosh, Mason Miller is still out there. It's okay. It's all right. I'm going to, I'm going to relax. It's fine. He's throwing 97 now. That was a 97 mile per hour fastball. Where did he it's start? Fine. Was he hitting a hundred to start? Oh, he hit 102 in like oh, a game or so. Uh, a pitcher or so, but I mean, he hit 100 in the previous inning. That was just, you know, whatever. I'm not gonna read too much into it. It's just Eric Hosmer. That's <laughs> fine. Um, and there's a cutter at 92 coming back down for a strike. I think he's three for three on cutter strikes, maybe four for four. I think it's a really good sign they're letting him go beyond those 65, 66 pitches he had. Uh, yes. You know, going forward, that's a sign that he might be able to. You know, I, somebody asked me yesterday, how is he for a quality start league? And I was like, I'm not too yeah, sure if he's pitched um, out enough for a quality start league to be making but, an impact. But then what's the difference between him and that in a win league? It's the athletics. Yeah, it's very true. Yeah, it's it's true. I just wasn't sure if he'd be able to get the sixth inning very often. If he's yeah, no, able to I agree with that. Uh, but we'll see. If probably will get removed uh, in this inning, by the way, Mason. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt you. No, no, no problem. Is it so far uh, still the first batter of the inning? Uh, 3-2 count at this point. Uh, unless my thing is lagging behind, but let, you know, I think uh, no, yeah, you know, I was just, just like, don't walk Hosmer. Come on. <laughs> Did he walk him? No, no, it was a cutter inside fouled off. Okay. Uh, I three, two, which I like the pitch calls. Just, you know, just throw a fastball. Hosmer is not going to do anything. I think it's a good sign though. If he's able to even get, let's say, was he at 72 pitches now? If he gets to 80 pitches in his first outing, I think that's a oh, really, man. I don't think they'll let him do that. There's another cutter jammed, uh, inside. It was ball four and oh no, he couldn't handle it. Ah. <sighs> Gosh, they probably will pull him now at 73 pitches. Yeah, that, that's but, what I think is going to happen here. Still, though, um, uh, that was I, fun. Good that, should not, that should be an error. The guy, he had it in his glove and it was on the transfer. Oh, come on. That's like every other team that's an out. <laughs> they they practice that so much. Don't don't call that a hit. Oh, my gosh. They called it a hit. <laughs> oh, Hosmer, you should be taking the scorer out for steak dinner after this. <laughs> oh, one last oh, thing man, on asphalt 97 away fouled off yeah he's still in okay that's a good sign uh one last know, thing. i'm sorry everybody listening is late like nick i don't care i know this already happened this is fine <laughs> um grayson rodriguez stick with him i think he's going to be great through the rest of the year don't be dropping grayson rodriguez for uh taj or for uh miller the orioles are going to want him they're going to be a contender this year they're fighting for it it's a beautiful cutter my gosh the magical little two right-hander we only seen him against left-handers that was a beautiful in 93 away and grace rodriguez i i'm very much a believer in this he will get that change up down and that slider more consistent he has through the minors it will come you don't think there's any risk of him being sent down at any point 
they're not going to do it now. I mean, there might be at some point because uh, like they just want to slow him down with his innings. But I mean, he has to really be terrible for that to happen. And I just don't I think he gets better from here. I'm hoping so as well. He is my most rostered player. I set the minimum pick on him, I think, in TGFBI too. So I'm hoping, wow. hoping for the best. I think I got him at 160 something, 170 something. I mean, that's, that's pretty good. So, yeah, he was going generally about 200, and then I pushed him up a round or two, and I felt good about it. Uh, not feeling great so far, but I'm definitely hoping for the best out of Grayson. Uh, let's talk Luis Garcia, and there are many Luis Garcias. So this is, of course, Nick Pollock. So the pitcher, Luis <laughs> Garcia. For the Houston Astros, I worried a little bit coming into the season about him just because he was going to have to change his delivery. I figured Luis Garcia would have to change his delivery, and he did a little bit, and so far he has not looked good. Uh, what's your worry level on Luis Garcia for the Astros? If you're in a 12-teamer, you should not be holding on to Luis Garcia. It's a tough schedule ahead. Uh, I don't think he's found any sort of rhythm. I think he's actually one of those guys that should be like a 25% fastball pitcher, really good cutter. Slider's really good. I think the curveball's actually decent too. And change up. Just throw those 75% of the time instead of going like 40, 50% fastball. He hasn't done that yet. So I'm I'm kind of out on Luis Garcia. I think there's just better things to chase at the moment, especially with a tough schedule ahead. I'm not in for your 12 teamers. Wow. Already. Hey, I'm I'm probably there with you. You know, I was worried his delivery is different this year and good team context you know but average strikeout numbers you can find on on the waiver wire i don't know that i I think i agree with you nick i don't know that he's somebody i would necessarily be holding on to uh first and third right now for mason miller i wasn't Uh, i i wasn't gonna interrupt it again he threw a bad cutter um he shouldn't throw in a fastball i and it really bothered me no this will be a good this is good nick this is good it'll be a good selling point i'll say nick pollock live reaction to mason miller doesn't know how to frame a low fastball and gave up. This is the second time this game that he gave up on a fastball. It's a strike low and then just drop the glove on it. So the ump isn't going to give him the call. And oh, that's the same pitch that was before, but that's going to be a sack fly. So there's a second run given up from Mason Miller. Unless Hosmer is that slow. He's not. Um, It's annoying because that's an unearned run, but it won't be because they gave him a single. It's unbelievable. Maybe the official score will do him a favor uh, in retrospect. Who knows? No. You don't think so? Not. Nah. Tough. Tough noogies, Rook. Tough break for him. Uh, 81 pitches, 51 strikes, though. Ah, that's very solid yeah. for your debut. Even though it's the Cubs, we're not talking about you know the 27 Yankees here. Uh, but solid, solid outing nonetheless. And the fact that he threw 81 pitches is huge. We were huge. expecting 70. Yeah. I mean, they're like, all right, we're right out of the gate. We're going to give you 80-81. So... Awesome to see that makes you feel like they'll go 80 again with him. And if you can live around there, then like, yeah, he can go five innings with consistency. Should have been an earlier out against Hosmer. So I, oh, did he get so the hook? Did, did he get the oh, hook? He, got, he officially just got the hook. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's still very enough like we of were, that, Nick. Move on. We were thinking after four, we were thinking after four innings at 66 pitches, he was done. But yeah, I'll take it. I'll, I'll absolutely take that from him. Uh, people are going to bid like, animals on sunday night i can't even i can't even wait to see what the bids are going to be like and i wonder if we're going to be talking 25 30 percent of people's fab maybe even more who knows what people are going to go crazy over um one last underachiever and then we'll get to a more cheery subject brady singer good first start against the blue jays since then not looked good he's pitching today uh through five innings against texas did not look good either uh what's your concern level there on brady singer buy low stay away any interest at all in brady singer brady singer is a cherry bomb 
I mean, that, that's just that's just who he is. He was in 2021 when he had a 491 ERA. He was in 2022 when he had a 323 ERA. He's at the end of the day the same guy. Sinkers for called strikes and sliders for whiffs, and there's nothing else. That's just who he is. That's who what he has been. And I don't I see a 788 ERA, but it's like a 16 inning sample. You face the face Atlantic, you have Vader and runs. Like, all right, fine. This is who he is. Uh, you're going to take the lows and you're going to get the highs. So you just stick around with Brady Singer. That's, you're holding that's him, man. You're still holding him in 12 teamers? Yeah, it's the same thing. If I have him already, like, you keep holding him. Yeah. It's three he's starts. Gone down. He's it's gone actually my... two. Because, like, it was a good one against the Jays. Yeah. Uh, he's gone from 80% down to 74% rostered in Yahoo League. So he's out there on one out of every four waiver wires. Interesting, interesting player to pick up as opposed to maybe, you know, your average streamer on a given week. He might be somebody to think about there. Bad team context, but we saw it last year over a large sample size that he can give you quality innings. Like you said, a little bit volatile. Uh, but over the course of the full season, probably somebody that you would be able to roster in a 12-teamer pretty comfortably, I think. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about some of these overachievers, and a lot of them are Minnesota Twins starting pitchers. What is in the water in Minnesota so far, Nick? <laughs> I I don't know what to tell you. Um, they're the team that happened to get Pablo Lopez, and Pablo Lopez went to driveline, and so did Joe Ryan. Yeah, that might be it. Uh, Pablo Lopez increased the velocity on his fastball, then started using a sweeper. And I love it so much. You know, what do you know? He gets more wins because it's the Twins. Sure, he's one and one, but he should get more wins. It's such a good situation. He's he's likely signing this extension. He feels comfortable. He doesn't need to push himself so much. And he's like the nicest dude. I don't know if you know this about Pablo Lopez. The absolute sweetest person. So I am just so thrilled at how well Pablo Lopez is performing. And the fact that all these years he's gone fastball change up been as effective as he has and now actually has a legitimate breaking ball weapon in that sweeper is a huge deal. And it's why you see a 34% carry right now from Lopez. I don't think he's going to be that good, but this is someone that is a must hold and a, and a buy high to me for Pablo Lopez as I put him inside my top 25 um, on Monday. Yeah, I was way low on him uh, coming into the season. I was way too low on him. Uh, definitely aired there. And I guess we'll see how it all pans out. But he looks fantastic. Joe Ryan, you know, I had Alex Fast on before the season to talk about pitchers that we were moving up and down our rankings. And Joe Ryan, he said he was moving him very high up the rankings. And that was before the season started. So props to Alex. A lot of people were in on Joe Ryan. But same sentiments for Joe Ryan, buy high. Yeah. Um. So by the way, don't beat yourself up too much. We didn't know that. Pablo Lopez was going to gain two ticks on his fastball and have a sweeper. We didn't know that. I uh, we didn't know that Joe Ryan was going to come out here throwing a tick harder on his fastball. Right, his fastball's looking real pretty. Uh, it's not every day that you see a forty nine percent O swing on a four seamer. That is bonkers. Joe Ryan's doing that at a seventy nine percent strike rate. Again, ninety ninth percentile bonkers. Seventeen percent swing strike rate is ninety eighth percentile. He's doing wonderful things with us. You love to see it. Super high fly ball rate, uh, which is fine because it's a lot of them are infield fly balls. Uh, it, it's a great foundation. And the thing is, Joe Ryan hasn't even hit his pick yet. Sorry, his peak yet. Slider and splitter are both in development still. And when we see that, when we see those two pitches come together, at least just one of them, Joe Ryan becomes like a, I don't know, top 15 starter. So... 
I'm a, I'm a huge fan of this. I believe in this fastball. I believe in everything he's doing. And I think it's kind of a matter of time before something clicks with those secondaries. So I'm very much in on Joe Ryan as well. Tampa has got to be sick having traded him for Nelson Cruz. <laughs> I think they're doing all right for themselves. Yeah, but I think they could use him right now with the Jeffrey Springs news. I think that yeah, Taj Bradley's Taj Bradley's a fine a de- replacement, a decent fill in there for sure. Um, so those two guys pretty bullish on Sonny Gray has looked just as good as they have so far through four starts. He has a sub one ERA. He's won a couple of games. You know, after that first outing, he was my last pick in my home league uh, 10 team draft. Just flat. I think it was 230th overall or something. I thought, yeah, why not? He's got Kansas City first outing of the year. I might drop him after that. I held on to him. I started him against Houston for whatever reason. <laughs> Seven innings, 13 strikeouts, one earned run. He's been really good. Now, I don't know if I expect it to keep going forward at this rate, but is Sonny Gray somebody that you think is like going to maintain shallow league kind of viability, 10 team league viability? I actually, in a, in Tout Wars, got Sonny Gray. He was actually a target of mine as someone that was getting undervalued. I love the fact that his sliders returned to a 26% swing strike rate thus far. That used to be this big weapon for him back in 2019, 2020. Last two years, sub 17% swing strike rate. Now it's returned in a much better, bigger fashion. While the curveball is still a fantastic offering at 32% uh, CSW. And then hopefully you get the four seamer and the sinker to get those called strikes. We already maintained really that 23% plus called strike rate in the four seamer thus far. And the sinker has been solid for him. It's all working at the moment. I, I think there's less consistency start to start in Sunny Gray than there is uh, Pablo Lopez and Joe Ryan. So I'm much more sold in their early performances. I don't buy the 0.82 ERA. Shocking more at 11 from Sunny Gray. Still. I love this. You should be starting him without a doubt moving forward. And maybe he does actually just keep doing this and prove me wrong. I love it. I love it too. You know, I, I kind of punted pitching in that particular league in my home league thinking I could, you know, it's a 10 team league. You can get guys later on. I'm very happy to have landed Sonny Gray at this point. I think you might be able to maybe sell him if you want, you know, at this, if the price is high enough, cause he's just been so good through four starts I think we're maybe getting to the point where some people might be starting to believe certain things. Marcus Stroman as well has looked amazing. There might be kind of, it might not be crazy buy or sell high windows, but they're not going to maintain this same kind of level of production. Would you agree there that maybe you should kick the tires on that kind of trade? Maybe. Yeah, we'll see. Um, Trades are always weird. Trades are something that you should be looking at uh, what you can do for the person you want to trade for, as opposed to shopping something yourself. Hmm. Um, so if, you know, if you're going to pursue some of them, like say, okay, start it with, if I were in their shoes, what trade would I make? Anyway, that would make sense. And then take it from there. Yeah, that's totally fair. Let's move on to Justin Steele. I was a big fan last year. Now he's actually the counterpart uh, in this game here in Oakland. So far, four shutout innings, five strikeouts. It is the athletics, of course, but coming into this game, 19 innings, a one, four, two ERA, uh, striking out a guy per inning. I was too low on Justin Steele as well. Uh, it looks like, Nick, where is your stance on him? Is he going to be the next guy to kind of just shoot up and become a fantasy ace, or is this just a hot stretch for him to start the year? Yeah, so the good news about Mason Miller starting today is I got to watch more Justin Steele on the other side. Mm-hmm. And one thing I was really liking today specifically was fastball coming inside to right-handers. I say this a lot about four, uh, about lefties, is that I want to see four-seamers confidently landing inside to right-handers. It's the number one trait for a lefty. And that's actually really what's been carrying it so far. Normally, last year, it was the slider doing everything. But Justin Steele's fastball has been really successful thus far. I don't know how to, how much I believe in it. 
for the full year, but everything I've seen thus far is suggesting like, no, it's real. And entering today, uh, Justin Steele was 14th best in hard contact rate allowed, 15th best in uh, swing strike rate, and 10th best in ground ball rate as well. And that's because probably jamming guys so effectively with a fastball inside. So I'm starting to buy into it. I was a real Justin Steele uh, downer this offseason because I didn't buy into that fastball being this good. I was thinking of him more as a cherry bomb. Some days the fastball is there and some days it's not. But now I'm I, I'm starting to see the light a bit. And I raised them up in the list this week, and I might be raising it more next week um, if he, yeah, if he continues this production. He's he's been amazing. Like I think the team context might limit him to some degree. Like last year, 120 innings, he won four games, even though he had the 3.18 ERA. But the Cubs are a bit better, I think, overall than they were last year. Maybe not a lot better, but I think he should even just luck wise get himself more than four victories for the year. He's already got two. Uh, you know, through his first three starts uh, today, he's not currently in line for a victory. It's 2-2, but who knows? Uh, I think the wins are something that might come and help a little bit more this season as well. Did well against the Dodgers, against Texas, against Milwaukee. You know, he's doing it against Oakland today, but he's done it against a lot better offenses as well so far to start the year. So there's uh, there's some reason to believe Justin Steele could be legit here. Let's talk Graham Ashcraft. How legit is Graham Ashcraft, Nick? I have my worries just simply because of the ballpark that he pitches in and how much I really am going to want to start him for a lot of those home matchups. But so far, so good uh, from Graham Graham Ashcraft. I question Graham Ashcraft's command. Uh, He still has the near 11% walk rate thus far. He had four walks against the Phillies, three against uh, against Atlanta. And I... I want to buy in more. I really, really do. I kind of feel like Ashcraft hasn't quite figured out how to harness that cutter and slider. He doesn't have a pitch that has a 15% plus swing strike rate, if you can believe it. Um, despite throwing that hard at 96 on the cutter, just a 10% swing strike rate and a, six, a 27% CSW. So I, I like him because he is uh, preventing hard contact uh, on that cutter and slider. But then again, the sinker gets crushed. It's first percentile in hard contact rate. (laughs) It's two thirds of the time. I mean, it's a very small sample, but man, that's not good. I I worry about that from Ashcraft. Then you throw in the fact that it's a Cincinnati Reds. It's not a good place to pitch as far as the ballpark and the team itself. Just not a good situation. So Ashcraft, I don't feel like I need to hold on to as tightly as others. And I got a question today. Ashcraft or Mason Miller before today's debut. And I said Miller because I felt that Ashcraft is going to mess with you a bit. And he isn't, he doesn't carry that, that electric. Like I, I watched today, Mason Miller. I'm like, you should go 10 strikeouts, five innings every time. Wow. You should just do that. I watch Ashcraft. I have no such anticipation for it. I'm happy he got seven strikeouts against Atlanta, but yeah, four K's and four walks against the Phillies. Sure. Dorn runs. But still, that's a one three three whip with those four hits. That seems kind of what you might be getting a lot. Quality start leagues, he's gone six innings in each of his three starts. So Ashcraft does have that going for him. That's good. Uh, it's a little safer, you could say, for the full year with Ashcraft. But I think in a 12-teamer, a guy like Mason Miller makes that bigger impact than Ashcraft. I'm not sold completely that he's going to soar this year. Yeah, well, the, the ballpark context is totally opposite there. Uh, you know, both bad teams, so you'll have limitations on the amount of wins you'll have from either one of them. Strikeouts you'll give to Miller. And we saw today 80 pitches in his debut, or 81 pitches. 
he'll be at 100 pitches sooner rather than later. And I don't know if they're going to let him go, you know, 150 innings this season, but no. 120 maybe, you think? Yes. Yeah, so think, think of something like that. Think of this kind of like Shane McClanahan um, in 2021. Okay. So uh, you might not see 100 pitches in a game from Mason Miller. It might be a lot of 85 or so, yeah. 85, 90. And that's okay. We're going to have to deal with that. But the the effect you'll have on your, I, I think everything else is going to be worthwhile for you. Yeah, I am. I've been convinced based on what he did today, based on hearing you gush about him, uh, to maybe up a bid or two uh, this coming weekend. You better. Yeah, we'll see if I can get myself a share. It's going to cost a lot, but we'll see uh, how much I push it up. We'll see what, what Vlad Sadler's recommending. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a lot, though, I'm sure. Um Wade Miley, let's talk some Wade Miley. You know, he had the one bad start against Arizona, but between that, great start against the Mets, shut out over six innings, and then shut out the Padres over seven in their park. Is Wade Miley any kind of legit? He's only 29% rostered in Yahoo League, so he's somebody who's still out there. Should people be going and adding Wade Miley? So one thing I heavily recommend with it for a guy like Wade Miley is to be going to our SP expected schedules article on the website, because for a guy like Wade Miley, it's, he's not going to have this like big breakout season. Okay. This is not that it's more about playing the matchups with him and seeing if this is going to work out. I'm happy he did well against the Mets. Eight strikeouts, seven shutout innings. Insane. I didn't see something there that goes, Oh, this is Wade Miley actually being really good. This is it. Totally buy in. Chain of book. Good. Cutter was kind of more hittable than it, sh- it was for whatever reason. What's ahead for Wade Miley are, are the Red Sox, the Angels, Coors, and then the Dodgers. Obviously not the last two. Very debatable if I want to take another chance at Wade Miley against the Red Sox and the Angels. I, I don't know if I want to do that. So it's not the worst case. Like It's not the worst play you can make for something if you're in a deeper league. In a 12-teamer, I feel as if there are other things to chase for instead. Yeah, there's more upside. You could be chasing Mason Miller. You know, Mason Miller, let me just double check right now where his roster percentage is. It's probably going to shoot up, but oh, yeah. 32. The, 32 yeah, right this now. This is the last we'll talk of Mason Miller. It was just a good foundation for us to talk about with like, hey, should you take chances on guys? You know, it's that cliff I talk about. Uh, you know what? I think the people will appreciate having a mind such as yourself talking through the first time we've seen him in the big league so you know what i'm gonna put that in the show description i think people will click on it just to hear your thoughts on mason miller uh because you are the best nick you are you are who people turn to in terms of pitching and i'm sure that they'll they'll love to hear your thoughts on mason miller Uh, a couple a couple of quick questions here that we got any projections on innings projected for taj bradley with springs out he's never been a guy who's thrown i think the max he threw last year was 140 some odd innings in the minors maybe they push him Similar number this year, 130, 120, maybe for Taj Bradley. I wouldn't expect an entire season's worth of you know innings, 170 or something. I think maybe 130, Nick. Yeah, again, Shane McClanahan, 2021. That's what you should be looking at, which is about 120 innings. Um, yeah. I hate doing those, though. I hate innings projections. I understand if those if you guys are in very small moves per, uh, per season leagues, those kinds of like, oh, you only get like five transactions a year. Mm. But for your standard 12-teamers, Don't worry about the innings projection because you're swapping these guys with players you don't expect to really be on your team in July and August anyway. So just enjoy whatever you get out of them. Don't worry about July or August right now. It's the the idea that you have the team you're going to hold through September right now is lunacy. So just go enjoy this from Taj Bradley. 
it's 120 innings, fantastic. If it's 150, unbelievable. If it's 80, well, at least he got 80 innings out of Taj Bradley that yeah. he didn't have last week. So, so enjoy far, that. So far, Taj Bradley, 42% K rate, 5% walk rate. <laughs> he has looked, and those are going to stick, of course, right to the yeah. level. <laughs> Absolutely. But no, he has he's been incredible. Uh he's been fantastic. I worried a little bit because the Rays, you know, how they use starting pitchers in general if he's and, gonna go deep yeah. in the games, but he looks to be Taj Bradley, I like more than Mason Miller for those who are wondering because it is the Rays, and that feels more and also I would say he's less volatile than than Miller is. Yeah. They're both so good though. Yeah. But Miller uh, he's on the A's, so that's doesn't help things. Yeah, the only good thing there is the ballpark. Yeah, uh, but that's not enough to put him over Bradley. I agree there. Uh, last thing here, Nick, what did you think teams? Uh, how do you think teams will adjust the Kode Singas fork ball over time? This is definitely a you question because I am, I'm not sure about the fork ball. Well, I don't. I think there's a lot more. I this kind of narrative I hear a decent amount, which is the league adjusting, or or. A pitch all of a sudden is the same, and then the batters in the league get better. Thus, it's worse over time. I don't agree with that. I, I it's not like the league has a conference uh, where they all meet and they talk about Kodai Senga's forkball. Um, obviously, there's like you know there's more data on it, and say cool, this is how he uses it. It goes like this. That's fine. But I mean, then Kodai will adapt. Oh, I'm not getting this or whatever. I'll just sequence a little bit better. Like. I, I really don't put any thought into the league as a whole making a pitch worse because it's more uh, exposed in the majors. That said, Kodai Senga has to make sure that a splitter, it's a forkball, it's a splitter. It's the same kind of concept where they're more inconsistent than other pitch types. And the problem with Kodai Senga is that when he doesn't have the pitch, we just saw what happens. It was not a good pitch over the weekend against the, who was it? Was it, I think it was the Athletics? It was a very good matchup that he just spoiled. Maybe it was the Marlins. In my, I, I can't remember off the top of my head. God, I can't either. He uh, should have been better. He wasn't. Yeah, it was Four Oakland. walks. It was Oakland. Okay. And he doesn't have a fastball. He gets whiffs. One whiff on 41 thrown. Uh, the slider is not good enough. So when you talk about a guy with a splitter that is everything, I get worried. Because those are inherently volatile. Um, so keep in mind with that, with Kodai Senga, he is a cherry bomb. That is, he's going to be really good, super sweet, or he's going to blow up in your face. It's going to be like that decent amount. I want to believe he's going to be more of the cherry side of that equation. Um, and that's on him. I don't think it's on the league adapting to the splitter. Or, the sorry, the fork ball. Um, but it's, I don't know if I really buy that it's going to be excellent every time out. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Um, he has so far looked okay, you know, through his first three starts, a couple wins, 338 ERA, but his opponents have also been Miami twice and at Oakland and he gets San Francisco next. So he's not exactly had a crazy hard schedule to start off. Maybe it's not going to be as good as we were maybe hoping uh, for Kode Senga, despite his success uh, in Japan. Like you said, it could be some volatility there. Uh, the last question we got was not really a starting pitcher question. It was just, what do you think the best landing spot is for oldest Chapman? I've thought this for a while. I heard someone else say it. I think Steve Cohen's going to go after him. I think Steve Cohen will probably at some point take him uh, to replace Edwin Diaz. I don't know that David Robertson and Ottavino are going to necessarily cut it. So I think that would be where I would probably see Chapman heading uh, to New York. You got any thoughts on that, Nick? Yeah, it's that I don't want to think about Araldus Chapman at all. (laughs) 
<laughs> that is probably the, the truest thing we have heard all day. Uh, very weird going to Kansas City. But yeah, let's leave Aroldis Chapman where he is. Nick, thank you so much for coming on in the middle of Mason Miller's debut and giving us your thoughts here on all these pitchers. Really appreciate it, my friend. That was super fun. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I know it's not traditional, but whatever. Uh, this is this is why we do this, to have conversations like these and to enjoy uh, fun prospects coming up. Joe, you're really good at what you do. Everybody listening, make sure that you rate or review this podcast, Fantasy MLB Today. Show Joe the support for all the hard work he puts into it and show him that he's loved because he should be for doing such a good job with this. So thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate you saying that. It's a lot of hard work, but I love doing it because baseball is the absolute best. You guys need to be checking out Nick's work at PitcherList on Twitter and at PitcherList.com. Reviewing literally every starting pitcher every day, it can't not it cannot be an easy task, Nick. Uh, you guys need to be following what Nick's doing and all of the great work at PitcherList.com. But guys, until tomorrow, we will be back to doing our usual solo format tomorrow. Just boring old me. We'll review Wednesday's games. We'll probably leave out the Oakland-Chicago game, and we will talk about everything else. But until then, guys, have a great night. Take care. And we will see you tomorrow. You know, when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks. That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.